We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Blue Wire. New England sending QB Jimmy Garoppolo to 49ers. We believe we found the right guy. Garoppolo, quick pass, caught by Kittle. He dives, and he's in. Touchdown, 49ers. Kittle is going to go. Touchdown. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Striking Gold. Um, it's another episode of our new 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Network. My name is Rob Lauder. I write for NinersNation.com, and I am joined by none other than my partner in crime, uh, the great, the respected, the unequal, <laughs> Eric Crocker. What's up, man? I, I, I like that intro. I'm going to keep pumping it up every week, bro. I'm going to try <laughs> and keep pumping it up every week. I'll just start making up words. It'll be whatever, but it's going to get better every week, I promise. I, I like it. <laughs> it boosts my ego a little bit. Yeah, man. I mean, there's nothing wrong with inflating that thing a little bit more. I mean, you're already, like, touching the ceiling, but it's all good. <laughs> yeah, man. Um, you know, it's pretty cool. Like, today I was on 95.7 The Game, and I'm like, wow, like, they really called me. And asking for my opinion on football. Somebody somebody on the radio live wants to hear your opinion. Right. And, you know, for me as somebody that, you know, I grew up listening to Sports Talk Radio. So just for people to kind of respect my opinion enough to call me and ask me to come on and, you know, just hear me out and stuff is. They're just putting up a front, bro. I don't think they really respect your opinion. Right. They probably talk about me as soon as they take me off the Right. <laughs> right. Right when, they, right when they press the button, they're like, gosh, man. Man, this guy has no idea what he's talking about. <laughs> <laughs> That's that's how I feel when I because I do radio a lot too and I know sometimes it's hard for those guys to pull guests in and you know fill the time slots so I'm always down to do it but that's how I feel too I'm like like they always post those tweets where there's like multiple guests and I'm like I wonder if I'm the worst guest today <laughs> like I'm like I wonder if I'm the one that sounds the worst or I obviously sound the worst I know what I sound like but it, you know what I mean you're always I always just wonder I was like man I hope I wasn't the crappy guest right right yeah I know yeah like I'm like the the last person that day like damn okay if, if Eric Crocker doesn't I don't know what we're gonna do <laughs> right right the last resort but anyways all right all right enough enough about our radio insecurities but right. before we uh before we carry on too much i wanted to give a quick shout out to uh candlestick chronicles that is the the other 49ers podcast on the blue wire network that is hosted by one chris biederman of the sacramento Bee and kyle madsen of niners wire 
the site I used to write for. Both of them good du- good dudes, both friends of mine. I just want to give them a shout out so they don't think we're out here just like planning against them, trying to trying to take the spot of the number one Blue Wire 49ers pod. Unless we already have, I don't know, but I just <laughs> want to give them a shout out because if you don't listen to them, give them a listen. So, anyways, the 49ers beat the boys last night. It might have been preseason, but they beat the Cowboys last night, which is uh, is always a good thing to pump up the 49ers fans. It's got to be the battle of the best-looking uniforms, right? You know what I mean? Like the, the 49ers wearing their red uniforms and the Dallas Cowboys wearing their white and blues. Yeah. It's like the best, right? I, I was talking to my – you know, I was watching the game with, with my, uh, my brother, my uncle, and um, they are huge, huge Cowboy fans. And – yeah, they were talking about our uniforms. I don't know. My uncle had said something like, you guys have those nasty honey mustard pants. I'm like, uncle, they're, they're gold. Like, are we have, like, like the a, best uniforms. They're like a regular yeah. gold. They're not like a weird color gold. This is coming right. from the art teacher. They're 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 just gold. But I, I'd say the Cowboys uniforms, I'm actually kind of like looking at the game right now. Yeah, they, they have some clean uniforms, but yeah, really classic. I mean, classic look with the Cowboys, classic look with the 49ers, so... Yeah, I know you touched That's on what them. I like about both it's uniforms. Sweet. They both teams have pretty much left them alone for like twenty years, thirty years. You know what I mean? Like they've you've seen all these teams could try to go something new and edgy, like the Seahawks, the Jaguars, you know, all these teams trying to create something that looks like it's from the, you know, two thousand twenty, whatever it is. But I like the fact that like the Cowboys, Raiders, Niners, they've kind of stuck with what they've they've had for a long time. Right, right. You're right. the you're the swag guy, man. You know, you should be able to tell me if someone's uniform is on point. So I'm trusting you. Yeah, no, nah, no, nah, they look sweet. Both, both, both squads. Okay, so the 49ers beat the Cowboys 17 to nine preseason. It's it matters to a lot of to a lot of players on the roster. I know that all you know everybody's favorite thing to say about the preseason that it doesn't matter, and in a lot of ways it doesn't. But for a lot of the players on that roster, and Croc, I know you could relate to this. Uh, in a, a lot of ways, it does matter. Because a lot of those guys are fighting for their jobs. So the 49ers won 17-9, to thanks in large part to uh, Jalen Hurd and Robbie Gould. Those were uh, the contributors for all the points. Now, before we get too into this, today we're going to be going through our takeaways from the game. We're going to talk football and, and what we kind of took away from the game. There's plenty, plenty to talk about from that. And then we may get into kind of breaking down the state of the roster and stuff a little bit later if we don't go too long. But I know last time we, we went too long and we got to try and keep this within 30, 45 minutes. So we'll see how it goes in, with time standpoint. But before we keep going, the 49ers had 28 players that did not participate in this game which is crazy. That's almost one-third of the roster. That's two players short of one-third of the roster. I've never seen that before. So I'm going to find my tweet where I talk about, all right? Okay, here's my list right here. So very first, I'm I'm just going to fly through this. Eric Armstead, starting defensive lineman. Ronald Blair, rotational defensive end. Nick Bosa, supposed to be a starting defensive end. Matt Breida, rotational starting running back. DeForest Buckner, starting defensive tackle. Tevin Coleman, starting running back, rotational running back. Uh, D. Ford, supposed to be a starting defensive end. Garland, what's his first name? I gotta go. I got the roster all sitting right here. I'm gonna have that up there. But uh, he's he's right now he's the starting center because Weston Richburg is out. He needs. They're hoping to have him back for week one. So right now Garland is the starting center. I know I'm going to remember the name right when I see it, but Ben Garland got it. My bad, Ben. I didn't mean no disrespect. So starting center right now, Josh Garnett, backup offensive guard, Jimmy Garoppolo. I think he's the, he's in competition to be the starting quarterback. That was sarcasm, by the way. I wasn't sure if that went through. Uh, Mark (laughs) Goodwin. Marquise Goodwin was, was an interesting player to sit. I mean, he's a veteran. They know what he, they're getting with him. They didn't need to play him, uh, especially considering he's had some injuries in the past. So I get that. But I thought he was kind of a little bit in competition for a roster spot. Maybe they don't see it that way, but I kind of thought he was. But we'll get into that later. I think um, they do. Well, yeah, but we'll, 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 yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that later. Right, right. I, I think they do too. But So we got Kyle Juszczyk starting fullback. George Kittle starting tight end. Mike McGlinchey starting right tackle. Uh, Jarek McKinnon. Sort of starting running back, rotational, still trying to come back from that torn ACL. Uh, Mike Person, starting right guard. Richard Sherman, starting left cornerback. 
Smith is such a generic name. I'm totally blanking on which Smith it is, but I'm just going to blow right past that. Uh, Joe Staley, starting left tackle. He's probably Malcolm Dwayne. Smith. Yeah, there you go. Malcolm Smith, linebacker, has been dealing with a uh, hamstring strain. Uh, he's been dealing with something through most of his career with the 49ers, so that's unfortunate. Jaquiski Tart, starting safety. Trent Taylor, starting slot wide receiver. We'll get more into him later. Lakin Tomlinson, starting left guard. Jason Verrett, starting or competing to be the starter at right at right cornerback. He's kind of still working through that. Jimmy Ward, who they want to be their starting free safety. Uh, Fred Warner, starting middle linebacker. Kwan Williams, starting nickel cornerback. And Fred Wilson, backup running back. So how many times did I say starter when I just listed that? Yeah, a bunch of times. Right, almost 22 times. <laughs> like almost every single starter for the 49ers, not all of them, but almost every single starter for the 49ers sat yesterday. So the onus, the pressure was all on the backups. And and it's not, like I said, some of them are players that are in deep in competition, like Dante Pettis for a starting role. But the, the coaching staff – by sitting all those players, basically put everyone else on notice. Some of them already knew. Most of them already knew they were on notice. But anybody who still played in that game, they knew that they were competing for something, whether it was a roster spot or just a more significant role. We'll get into players that were doing that. So that is just a massive list of inactive players. That was kind of the the first shocking thing of the afternoon, and and it it went fast. So, And then we had Trent Taylor. So – I'm sitting there in the press box next to uh, Tracy, 49ers fangirl, and we're kind of just watching the game. And then all of a sudden, tweets start coming through on the old Twitter that Tim Ryan just said over the TV broadcast that Trent Taylor broke his foot and was out indefinitely. And I'm like, I have the 49ers media staff sitting behind me in the press box. They're like right behind me. So I'm turning around. I'm like, what? Like, a little information here. So, yeah, I mean, they broke the the, the news on TV, which was confusing. But so <laughs> right. Trent Taylor, probably, if I had to put my finger on one person that had the best offseason, the best training camp, if I had to point out one person, it would be him. He was outstanding. He was like, And he was like their go-to receiver for all quarterbacks. And so he broke his foot. The good news is it's a Jones fracture, which can be pretty significant, but they caught it very early in the fact that it's just a stress fracture at this point. It's a very small fracture. Um, it's not on the toe. It's kind of back a little bit where kind of the main part of the foot starts. I'm not a doctor, excuse me. And so it's only supposed to be four to six weeks. And he posted a picture to his Instagram yesterday, last night, of him in a huge cast. I'm assuming, obviously he doesn't need the whole cast. It's just to stabilize his foot. But so he's out for four to six weeks. I'm, I'm assuming they're going to lose him for the first couple weeks of the season just to be safe. But what were your uh, what were your thoughts on that there? Yeah, no, nah, it, it was very interesting. You know, I was at like my grandma's 75th birthday party and, you know, my oh, brother, and my uncle, were, you know, we're watching the game. And, but the but the volume's down. So I, I couldn't hear it. And someone tweeted me and was like, hey. You know, what do you think about Trent Taylor? And I'm like, oh, well, he's, you know, he's had a strong camp. I'm thinking they're just asking me because, you know, what do I think about him? You know, how, how has he looked? And, you know, and it's like, and then the dude responds like, nah, dude, like, he's hurt. I'm like, wait, what? And then I, and then right. that was when I saw on Twitter um, around that time, you know, just the fuss about it and how Tim Ryan had, you know, broke the news that, you know, he had a broken bone in his toe or, or whatever. So, yeah, nah, you know, it's it's tough, especially because we want we want to come out hitting on all cylinders, you know. I think the most frustrating thing with me with especially with a lot of these injuries are they're not injuries that last a long time. It's just little nagging things to where, you know, we can't go through the offseason with just our guys, you know. And and that's what I, you know, we all want to see. We want to go through the offseason training camp, you know, have our guys healthy and you know, and we just haven't been able to. Just little nicks here and there. It sounds like everybody should be returning around week one, week two. But, you know, now for the next four to six weeks, you know, you're practicing without a lot of guys that, you know, you'll probably be counting on down the line. So I guess it's better to have some of these injuries early than late. Um, you know, if you are going to have injuries where guys are missing, you know, four to six weeks, you know, have it start, you know, before your first preseason game. You know, so I, I guess in that sense, 
the timing is okay. It's just kind of unfortunate because, like you said, Trent Taylor has been having a strong training camp. Right, and it just like adds a little bit more fuel to the fire of one. I've heard from a million people that the 49ers have some sort of crazy Levi Stadium injury curse, which obviously I'll never put any stock in, but they have had incredibly bad luck with injuries. One, partly because they've pursued a lot of players that have injuries in their past, and two, it's just bad it just looks like crazy bad luck you know like it just kind of keeps keeps piling up on them and it didn't stop there the 49ers had quite a few injuries uh in the game and you knew with so with so many people out of the game that that the rest of the players were going to get significant snaps and it was going to increase the chance that another player was going to get injured that's just kind of the way it is you have that many less people playing football so the injuries kept going now throughout the game the first to be injured, and this was the most significant, was backup offensive tackle, also swing tackle, meaning he can play both sides, uh, Sean Coleman. He fractured his fibula, which is the biggest bone in your leg. It's uh, significant. It was probably really painful. And he also dislocated his ankle. So he is expected to go on injured reserve tomorrow. I think it's you know a two- or three-month recovery kind of by the book. It might even be more than that, two and a half, three and a half months. So he's going to go on IR, and, and I don't even think they're going to designate him to return because that's just, you know, they he's a backup offensive tackle. There's no reason. You're only allowed to designate two people out of however many players you put on injured reserve. You're only allowed to designate two people to return during the season, and it could be at any time, after week two or week ten. But I doubt that they're going to use that on Coleman uh, because, like we were just talking about, they have a lot of players that are injured or coming off an injury that they may – like Jarek McKinnon's another example who doesn't seem to be handling, uh, you know, getting back on the field from his torn ACL very well. So he could be a, an IR with a designation to return. So I don't think they're going to use that on Coleman. I think they probably just lost him for the season, which is unfortunate because that's a guy that can step in whether it's – Joe Staley or Mike McGlinchey goes down, knock on wood, knock on whatever you got near you. Luckily, both of those guys are super durable. They haven't they haven't shown the tendency to miss games. Staley in his 13-year career or, you know, McGlinchey in his one season. So uh, after that was running back Raheem Mostert. He suffered a concussion. He's currently in the concussion protocol. That kind of goes into a point I was going to make later in the fact that there's still a lot of people that act like it would be a little crazy for the 49ers to keep four running backs, and that would be five if you include fullback Kyle Juszczyk. And to me, that right there, losing Raheem Mostert to a concussion, kind of just shows how I think that he'd be perfectly willing to keep four running backs. Shanahan had to plow his way through the depth chart at running back last year. I think he enjoys the fact that he has pretty much like four starters because Raheem Mostert showed out pretty well when he was uh, when he was put in there last year. Right. So losing one of them that quickly, it was in like the first quarter, kind of I think in Shanahan's mind will justify his reason to want to keep running backs, especially because his running game is such an important part. All right, so I'll keep going here. Defensive lineman DJ Jones starting – rotational, usually nose tackle, interior defensive lineman. Um, he had he injured his knee, and he is week-to-week. So I'm assuming they, they assume they're going to have him for week one, but he's week-to-week for now. Backup safety, strong safety, Marcel Harris. He had a stinger. He'll be fine. Croc, uh, have you ever had a stinger? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Explain, explain what a stinger's like, because even I want to know. I've heard it said so many times. I mean, I played football through high school, but I never had a stinger. So what's a stinger, bro? You, you probably didn't hit hard enough. Right. Well, I was a receiver, bro. I, I probably didn't. Okay. No. Nah, um, no. Well, a lot of times I think people get stingers from not hitting correctly. I think it's, it happens a lot of times when you lead with like your shoulder, but it's like all your shoulder takes that whole impact. Now, I've, I've, I've heard a few uh, like a couple different like very vari- I don't know variations or explanations of how or what you know stinger feels like to certain people with me my my just arm went numb right so like you know like my whole like the say if I led with my right shoulder and my shoulder took on all that pressure you know you feel that whole tingly sensation you know, it's just like a, it like stings. <laughs> well, that's why they call it stinger. <laughs> but I've heard other people say, you know, it kind of goes all the way up to their neck. Now, I, I never had it to that extent. But for me, it was just, boom, your arm kind of goes dead. Pretty much goes dead for like a few plays. 
And um, that happened to me. But that, you know, that when I had that happen, arm goes down for a few plays, and then, you know, and then the, you, I get that feeling back. Um, other people, you know, like like we saw with uh, Marcel Harris, maybe have to go out for a little bit, and and I don't even know if he returned. You know, so I think there are severities with it. I, I don't think I've had it that bad to the point where I couldn't return back in the game. So you're, you said your arm was dead. Does that mean, like, let's say you stayed in the game. You got a singer. You stayed in the game. You're just one of those guys, one of those dogs that stays in the game. If you needed to use that arm to, like, break up a pass, you wouldn't be able to? Um, or would it just – do you think it would hurt really bad? Yeah. It's like a – It's like a, I don't want to use this arm right now. Right. Okay. But if it, if it was a life or death situation, you would be able to use that arm and it would really suck. Yeah, it, okay. it just suck. You've seen it. I mean, I remember there's like a classic video of um, uh, Ruben Foster like running oh, somebody man. down. I thought that's exactly what I thought you were gonna say, and his arms just hanging at his side, right? Yeah, and that's kind of what like what it feels like. And you just hope like while you have that stinger, like or you know, again, I, I guess there's severities to it, but you just hope there's not much action to your side, you know, for that player too. You know, when you're going through that, it just goes to show you, man how much stuff these players go through. Like that's an injury that a player can get that most people have never experienced and will never experience in their life. And to an NFL player, it's nothing like that's It's a stinger. I'll go back in in a few plays or you never come out, but you know, that's, and that is something, it's just kind of crazy to think that something that we'll never experience or probably won't ever experience is like a regular thing to an NFL player. You know, I, I just think that, NFL players don't quite get get as much respect as they deserve when it comes to what they put their body through, what they will endure to be on the field, how much pain they're constantly in playing. And, you know, when they finally do break and they can't go and they're hurt, you know, all you really see, whether it's on Twitter or social media, is players, people basically saying, you know, tough, tough it out, you know, get back out there. You're getting paid all this money. Just get out there. You know, yeah, and you know, there, there's nobody, you know, especially midway through the year, people aren't like 100% healthy. Uh, everybody has something that they're dealing with. Um, I never missed a game until like my last year of playing when I kind of like I had a high ankle sprain, but you know, kind of like fractured my ankle and like messed up ligaments or whatever. But up until that point, I never missed a game. But I played with uh, like various injuries. Uh, my shoulder one time was popping in and out. So like, if you look at some of my pictures you'll see me with like this shoulder harness on and I couldn't lift my arm past a certain point. My fingers and joints are all messed up. So a lot of times I like I had to tape, tape my fingers together. You deal with things on a regular. And, you know, these guys, you know, you, you see some of the things that the 49ers are dealing with right now. A lot of the issues that they're having, they, they, they'll play with it, you know. Uh, right now, in, since it's training camp, you just go through all precautions. But, Come game day, these guys will be out there. They'll take their little shot, and, and they're going to give it full go. So, you know, at some point in the season, nobody's like 100%. You, you just would like for, you know, your main guys to not deal with injuries, and I think that's what the most frustrating part of, you know, 49ers injury history over the last few years is. All right, so before we – we still even have more injuries to cover. We haven't even gotten through that. Kind of digressed a little bit, but I, I don't think anybody minds hearing, hearing Crocker's personal experiences and stuff like that. But before we carry on, got to give a quick shout-out to uh, the Blue Wire sponsors. This is a little bit of a longer uh, advertisement, so stick with me. Um, I'm just going to be rolling through this. Okay, so football season's here, people. It's time to start placing your bets for NFL and college football. And I – on a personal note, have a ton of friends who bet on the NFL and college football. So Blue Wire is teaming up with sports information traders and the legend John Price, one of the world's most successful sports bettors. So our listeners are given the chance to make more money on football this season. Go to sportsinformationtraders.com backslash blue, B-L-U-E, and get the college football and NFL features plays and make up to 15 times your money for only a $99 investment. Last year's sports information traders correctly predicted the Clemson Tigers to win the college football championship, making one client alone $110,000. The year before that, Kurt Presley of sports information traders made $1 million with a preseason wager on the Philadelphia Eagles to win the Super Bowl. 
John Price and the Sports Information Traders team can guide you on the best ways to make money on futures bets and preseason football betting picks. You get all of that for just $99 and the opportunity to make 15 times your money. It's totally worth getting Sports Information Traders betting picks. Sports Information Traders has been featured in ESPN, Gambling911.com, Entrepreneur Magazine, and many more. John Price has been successfully making money betting on sports for over 20 years. Make a big return for a small investment with Sports Information Traders Futures Picks. So you're gonna to get started, you go to sportsinformationtraders.com backslash blue. Again, make sure you go to sportsinformationtraders.com backslash blue to have your chance at a 15 times return this football betting season. All right. There it is. But yeah, I got a ton of friends. Ton of I, I teach. I don't know if you guys know that. I'm a teacher. I got a ton of teacher friends that bet on sports. So if you're willing to, to take the investment, hit them up. Sports information traders. But anyway, so back to our 49ers. Injuries. I know no one wants to hear about injuries, but they're just the reality of things. Okay, so talked about Marcel Harris and his stinger and Crocker stingers. C.J. Beathard hit his finger on a helmet, but he's fine. Uh, I, I talked to him after the game. Uh, guard Najee Tehran um, injured his hand, and he's going to have an x-ray. They don't quite know for sure how severe that is. Didn't sound very serious. And lastly, linebacker Elijah Lee injured his thumb. He's already had surgery, and he's going to be out two weeks. So hey, Lee wasn't playing well while he was in either. Right. right. I'm, I'm, I was really surprised with how poorly he played out of everybody. You know, there were some mistakes that, you know, Dre Greenlaw made. And it's like, okay, you're a rookie. You know, he's going to have his mistakes. He's going through his first game. Um, you know, really true live action. So, you know, I'm pretty sure the game is kind of moving fast. He's going to well, have some – Yeah, but, you're seeing looks you've never seen before. You know right. I mean? But with, with Elijah Lee, you know, I expected a little more from him. And I was kind of disappointed. But, you know, it's whatever. But, yeah, yeah, I was kind of – I was kind of – Disappointed, but go ahead. You well, keep going. I, I just had to say that. And I, no, no, it's all it's, it's me and you, man. You chime in whenever. But I, I, I kind of like I had him before the season, before training camp, kind of pegged as like a fringe starter slash you know like quality backup because he started right. uh, a good amount of games last year. I'm not sure how many, and he was decent. He had you know he wasn't. He wasn't you know the thing is, people they always think that you you have to like have just everybody on your roster studs. And, you know, you just need some guys that do their job, a quality backup, right? And that's what Elijah Lee was last year when he had to fill in for guys. You know, he was a quality backup. So just to kind of see now, it's like, dude, you you kind of take a step backwards. That That's not something you just want to see. You know, you, you hope that guys that, you know, filled in and played well, not, not saying he's a starter or a guy that, you know, when you roll out that team week one, you want him in there. Uh, but just kind of see him go backwards. Yeah, that that was kind of well. To to your point, I think one of the most undervalued and under discussed like traits, positive traits in the NFL is just consistency. Like I don't care if that's consistently great, consistently good, consistently mediocre. The fact that a coach and a fan and a team and a front office and you know everybody's going to know exactly what they're going to get from you, like. You know, you can, you can, there's just so many different examples of that throughout a, was, a, a roster. Like, you, when Odell Beckham steps on the field, you know what you're going to get. Like, right. and, and obviously, he's one of the best players in the NFL, but you know what you're going to get. And rarely does he ever waver off that. Like, it's just a matter of, and like I said, that doesn't have to be the best player on the roster. I'm trying to think of kind of like a good example on the 49ers right now. And I was kind of talking about this with the other beat writers is Lakin Tomlinson. You know, they traded a late-round pick for him, but he's been reliable. Like, he hasn't been, you know, world-changing at that spot, but he's been reliable. And just and he, and he seems like he's reliable most of the time. And that is just an underrated quality, just consistency, whether that's as a backup, as a special teams guy, or as a, you know, the, the Jimmy Garoppolo starter. I think consistency is kind of a little underrated, or it really isn't talked about that much. You know what I mean? So Right. All right, so we've been talking injuries. We're through all the injuries. That's it. So you had 28 players not play. A lot of those players didn't play because they're recovering from injuries. And then you had all those injuries, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven players that were added on to that injury list. Actually, eight if you include Trent Taylor. So that's definitely mounting. I assume a lot more of those players are going to play next week, but we'll get into that later. So now we're going to break into takeaways from the game. So we're going to talk about what we saw in the game a lot more 
well, I guess it doesn't have to be uplifting. I was going to say a lot more uplifting than injuries, but it might not be. So why don't you hit us with your first takeaway, Crocker? I know you have, were impressed with, with some rookies. Why don't you hit it? Yeah, I mean, the, the, I think that I was impressed with, with, with some rookies, but I the, the thing that jumps out to me first and foremost while watching it was just how sloppy of a game it was. And, and I think, you know, for preseason, you don't expect it to be perfect. A lot of times, you know, these games are sloppier than, you know, what you would expect, you know, in the regular season. But one thing I've seen with the 49ers over recent years, especially like since Shanahan took over, is just kind of like the lack of discipline, you know, false stars, just penalties, you know, and – I think we yesterday what we saw, or you know, what, Saturday night, uh, 18, 18 penalties for two hundred sixteen yards. Like that's absurd. Like I don't care if it's preseason. Uh, you know, it, it could be practice. Anytime that's you close see to the record, like that, I think it might be the 49ers' personal record, but that's close to like the 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 NFL ever record. Right, and some of it is you know maybe refs are throwing more flags than they typically would. Um, I, I mean, it seemed like every possession there was like two to three. Now, that's over-exaggerating, but I mean, there, there were just so many holding penalties. I, I think that was the bulk of it. So, like, I know when I tweeted out, the main thing I pointed out were was, you know, how the reserve offensive line, I mean, it was like holding, 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 holding. Every time, like, I majority think Willie, of Beavers, Willie Beavers got called for two holdings Two holding calls, two plays in a row, and it was like second and twenty six, or third and yeah. twenty six. Like it was, and they went through that like multiple times, right. like during the game. It's like, <laughs> go, come on, you know. And a lot of people talked about, you know, Beathard and you know how he played, but just think about how many times he was just backed up, you know, due to holding penalties. I, I felt like a, a majority of them happened while he was in. I'm not defending Beathard. Um, I think he is who he is, but. I'm pretty sure that's that doesn't help, you know. No, that was and and even on the very very first snap of Bethard's second half, he they were doing a play action, they were doing a play action play. He faked the running back, turned around, and boom, he was sacked. Yeah, like, and people are like, "Oh, Bethard in midseason form." And it's like, "Dude, what was he supposed to do?" Exactly. I I, I, <laughs> I even tweeted that. I was like, "I knew because I knew people were going to be like, oh, Bethard, got it, got it, got it.'" And I'm like, "Dude, he he hadn't even he barely whipped his head around to look down the field, and he was already sacked." So, and then you had later on in the game, you had the unbelievable—I I call it unbelievable—penalty on Dante Johnson. The and you would you would be able to evaluate this play a little bit better than I would, Croc, because you're you know the DB guy. the The Cowboys were on like the forty-something yard line on the 49ers side of the field. They were driving. They had two incompletions. They had two decently big completions, and then. Tavarius Moore hit a player out of bounds and got them 15 more yards. So they started like inside the 10 yard line, but after two completions and that penalty, they were already on the other side of the, the, the field on the 49ers side of the field. And then they throw a deep ball down the left sideline. Dante Johnson has great coverage. He's right there with him. And, and bearing in mind that the phrase Dante Johnson and great coverage don't go together very often. I mean, no offense, but I just watched his training camp. That's that was my takeaway. He was in great position. The ball, I think, was overthrown by like five yards, maybe even more. But Dante Johnson kind of now I understand that you know playing the sideline for a DB is a is a is a viable technique. It's it's taught very commonly. But he kind of like put his arms out and almost like walled the guy off into the sideline. Like and um, you you know you know what play I'm talking about, Croc? Yeah. Okay. No. Tell yeah. What you saw there. It put the Cowboys at the four yard line. Right. Yeah, no, it was it, it's just tough luck. And I and that's why when people talk about penalties and I and I get that sometimes it, it seems to happen with some guys more than others, but it's a judgment call. And that's why I don't put a whole lot in pass interference because you just you never know what the ref is looking at or how he sees a certain thing. Now, you know, some of these holding penalties, it just happened so many times. But the pass interference uh, for Dante Johnson, that's crazy. There was a pass interference for Emmanuel Mosley early in the game where, yeah, that was he, horrible. he hit the receiver's arm, but it's like, well, the receiver, nobody's talking about how the receiver put his hand on Mosley's shoulder to keep that, you know, separation, and Mosley locked it in. And it's like, okay, like, this is going back and forth. Why are you guys calling it on me? 
So, you know, it, it, it's just, it's unfortunate with how they call pass interference. I'm surprised that they didn't review the whole, the uh, Dante Johnson one. Well, it was the only reason I mentioned the Dante Johnson one is because that was 45, I think it was a 35 or 45-yard penalty right there because they moved it to the spot of the foul. And so that was a huge tack on in a horrible situation. And, you know, to, to throw in some positivity here, the Cowboys got the ball on the four-yard line. It was first down. They still couldn't run the ball because if they ran the ball and he got stopped short of the end zone, the t- it would have been tough for them to get off another snap before the time ran out. So they had to throw four passes, and the 49ers were able to shut them down for all four, four passes and basically keep the game. Nobody wanted to see preseason overtime. It was 17-9 to, to nine at the time. I, I think they would have kicked the extra point. You think just to settle the, the game right then and there? I would hope so, but who knows, man. I mean, everybody, a lot of players want to win. I know it's preseason, but especially after a drive like that. You know, you drive down the field, you want to have a chance to win. I could have seen it happening, but that would have put it in overtime, but it didn't happen. The 49ers shut them down, four straight incompletions to win the game. They kneeled out the clock, and that was it. So that is so. I know you got you got anything else you want to touch touch on in the in the sloppy section there, Croc? Yeah, no, nah, just you know, the team as a whole has to be more disciplined, and I think that falls on the shoulders of you know the coaching staff. Some of it has to do with some of these guys being young. Dre, Dre Greenlaw, you know, his roughing the passer penalty, you know, you just can't can't do it, and they'll they'll, they'll point things out like that, and hopefully you guys just learn from it. I feel like there's. The only way from here is up with these penalties. And, you know, they just have to get better with that. But it starts with team discipline. I think the 49ers kind of like that the last couple of years. I think so, too. And I think that, you know, this is Kyle Shanahan's first go at being a head coach. And I th- I would probably think that one of the one of the aspects of being a head coach that you're going to develop last is the ability to implement discipline. You know what I mean? You, Kyle Shanahan's knowledge of the game. Yeah, and no, it, I, I think that's the first thing you want to instill. No, I, think I don't mean want to instill. I mean, I think that that's the hardest thing as a coach to develop. Like right. Kyle Shanahan knows the offense backwards and forwards. But, I mean, as far as like finding your footing and finding your personality and finding how you want to discipline players and how you want to make your team discipline, I th- would just I think that's one of the things that might come over time. You know what I mean? Yeah, but I, like, I, I feel like even before – you know, the the playbook and all that, like there has to be a sense of just discipline that's that's instilled like early on. Because if you don't have that, it's gonna be really tough to, you know, have everybody doing their job and being able to continue drives and things like that. So no matter what you do with the playbook and X's and O's, it's not gonna matter if your team is undisciplined. As we saw yesterday, it almost bit us in the butt, but you know, fortunately the 49ers they just have some big plays from young guys that we'll get into. But yeah, you the, the discipline part of it, I, I think that's on him. You have to instill that from the jump. Right, and right. I just so think far, it's the coach. Whether he's not making a big issue of it. Uh, you know, I, I've seen even Buckner, guys. I mean, he's our guy. It seemed like every practice he was jumping off sides. He was. So, yeah, that's true. That's a good point. A lot of know. the defensive linemen were, and it wasn't any of the new guys. So you mentioned it. Why don't we go through uh, talk about some of the uh, I want because I've spent the whole first half of this podcast talking most of the time. So why don't you uh, touch on some of the big plays from rookies? You just mentioned that I know you got it down in your notes. I know you want to talk about what you saw. So talk about a couple of those rookies. Yeah, well, it's clear uh, before the game that the, the the guy I wanted to see most was Jalen Hurd, and I just wanted to see you know where would he line up at, um, you know little things that you know. People want to move him to a certain position. You know, is he a fullback? Is he a H back? Is he a you know what's the F? You know, at the end of the day, when I was watching, I'm just like, you know what? He's just a receiver, and that's what I would do with him as well. You know, they line them up on the outside. They line them up up in the slot. They line them up tight split. They did some different things with him. I was very encouraged by some of the things I saw, and we saw him. You know, finish the play. He kind of added that uh, physicality to to. A receiving room that hasn't had that. And not just him. You know, we saw it with Debo Samuel as well. But I have to go through and watch and, and watch specifically what he did, you know, outside of the times where he got the ball. But when he did get the ball, I was very encouraged with what I saw. And I think there's things to just kind of build on with not just him, but Debo Samuel as well, well where you just want to get the ball in those dudes' hands and let them do the rest. And we saw, you know, when they do do that, they, you know, they do well. 
So continue to get these guys opportunity. My biggest thing with them is, you know, are they gonna what 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 does it mean? What is their success against reserves? But what does that mean for the rest of the guys? Are they gonna get more of a shot come, you know, next week against the Broncos? Are we going to see them in the game earlier? Does that mean less reps for somebody like Dante Pettis, who hasn't had as strong of a training camp and so far preseason, only one pass attempt uh, to him in the game that was tipped. So that's not his fault. He got open a couple of times, but whether he's not on the same page with the quarterbacks or whatever the case is, he hasn't been on the same page with any other quarterbacks, I feel like, during camp so far. So uh, there were a few plays where he's had, you know, one-on-ones where he beat somebody, but ultimately he just – He's looked uh, fairly pedestrian. So what does that mean for some of these younger receivers? And it sounds like in press conferences, Kyle Shanahan is waiting for someone to take over, take control of that spot, be a guy. And Debo Samuel, Jalen Hurd, it looks like they, those guys are, they have the mentality and the ability to kind of step up to the to that task. Well, and the thing that, that Debo and Jalen both bring to the table that I think somebody like Dante Pettis could learn from, and, and it has a lot to do with his body type, but just that physicality, you know what I mean? Like if I want a guy, and this isn't the only attribute of a good receiver, but I want a guy when it's a 50, 50 ball, not that can just go up there and get it that, you know, is going to fight harder for it. You know what I mean? He wants to be the guy that comes down with it. doesn't have to be a big guy. Obviously Jalen Hurd showed that off, but it's just a guy that, is offended by the fact that that defensive back wants to take the ball. You know what I mean? Yeah, like well, he, he it's, it's a mindset. Right, right. It's a mindset. It you, you talked about body type, but look at uh, Robbie Anderson, the receiver for the Jets. That dude's a twig. He's like 6'3", 185 pounds. But when they throw the ball in the air, he goes up and gets it. Now, that that's a, that's a taller kid, but, you know, I always go back to guys like, you know, Antonio Brown, where, you know, I shouldn't compare. Steve Smith, bro. These, you know, but just it's just a, a will, a will to like not lose, right. you know, a toughness, um, a grit. Debo Samuel, yeah, he's thicker in stature, but his height, I mean, he's only 5'11, and he went up high point to go get a ball. So it's just a willingness to like, you know, no matter what, I'm coming down with this ball. And I haven't seen that from Dante Pettis, at least not in the NFL yet. It's something that we want to see because I think guys want him to be that wide receiver one. We just haven't seen it yet, and I don't know if we if we will. I don't even know, you know. These these next few weeks, you know, they say preseason doesn't matter, but I think for Dante Pettis, I think it's a it's a huge it's a huge deal. We need some of these veterans to stand step step up. Right. I, I don't I, think you can go into the season and like all, all of a sudden I have to depend on Debo Samuel and Jalen Hurd game in and game out, and their rookies are going to see things that they've never seen before. Right, and I think it's important to remember that Dante Pettis is just in his second year. I think for some reason he's given a bit more, I don't want to say credit, but people act like he's been around for a lot longer than he has. He's in his second year, and he tore it up the latter half of the season last year, and he was good. I think that's why the expectations are so high. But he's only on year two, and you you know, you know, saw what happened to George Kittle going from year one to year two. I think that those expectations would probably be a little bit a little unfair for any player because that was unreal but I think that it's fair to expect more from Dante Pettis though you know and I I think it's fair to expect more than what we've seen from him now I understand a lot of you guys listening weren't there at training camp you've only seen clips and stuff but there were times when Dante Pettis had his impressive wins and there were times when Dante Pettis was I wouldn't say a liability but he was unreliable they would throw his way and he would get a chance to make a catch that you would expect him to make and he would either drop it or, you know, I mean, he just wouldn't come down with it and it was weird. Right. A lot of times things, it just seemed weird. Like, wasn't even quite what you'd expect from him. Things you want to see from a guy taking that next step. Right. And I, I think those are the things that we just haven't seen and, and we want to see. He Just take the next step and, you know, Right now, he seems like he's the same player from his rookie year, for better or for worse. Maybe that's a good thing. No, I mean, it's funny that you say that because his training camp that he had this year was, and I know you you only spent a few days at the last one, was a lot like last year's, including catching a ball and just getting it ripped out of your hands, which is, it's not even a fumble. It's just a dude straight up grabbed the ball that you had and wanted it more than you wanted it, you know, and maybe I'm blowing that up a little bit. 
making it a bit more dramatic than it actually is. But, you know, that same thing happened to him last year. And that's just the thing I want to see to him from him is just a bit more just a bit scrappier. Like, you know, I want to see Dante Pettis get in a fight. You know what I mean? I, I, we saw wow. that right away from Jalen Hurd. I want to see Dante Pettis get pissed off. I want to see him high point the ball and go up over somebody, you know, and, and he has shown a little bit of that. And, and his, he speaks with his routes. He speaks with his, you know, his technique. He's, he's kind of that, that, that savvy to him. It's not necessarily his game to be physical, but I like to see him get a little, get a little upset, you know, and make, you know, blow somebody off the line and, and go up over somebody and make a catch. But anyways, I digress. So we're coming up on 43 minutes. So let's get into, and we're not going to be very long with this, but what are some of the things you want to see against? So the 49ers have practice Tuesday and Wednesday, and then they fly out to Denver for their joint practices, I think, on Friday, Saturday, and then I think they play Monday. I think I got all that right. I might be wrong, but what do you want to see from the 49ers come the Denver game, Croc? Yeah, the, the the biggest thing I want to see and that I'm going to take away from the whole thing is just the do they fix some of these penalty issues? And again, I think that could possibly be a cultural is, issue more than anything. So I, I I don't know how much that's going to change. It could be just because it's backups, you know. But do they fix some of the issues with being undisciplined? And then what do they do at receiver? You know, you saw, we all saw it. We all saw Debo and Hurd have some success, now, albeit against reserve players. Do they give them more of an opportunity to try to do those same things against ones? And now you're going to have guys like, you know, Marquise Goodwin back playing and stuff like that. So, you know, it's going to be just interesting to see how they work the younger guys in and what roles they have for those guys. So I think those are just the things I'm looking I'm looking forward to to kind of seeing him yeah seeing more of our guys i was watching the game and it was just frustrating because i had my brother in my ear like oh you guys suck and it's like dude we don't have any starters playing you know i would like to see you know our our you know our front seven that's going to be out there i would like to see them play i would like to see richard sherman back there um i would like to see tart on the field you know i just kind of want to see us at full force even if it's for just one possession two possessions i, I would just really like to see you know what are we going to look like and, um, you know, from a personnel standpoint. And, uh, yeah, so th- those are the kind of things I'm looking – I'm really looking forward to seeing. Yeah, and with me, I think that – and it's a little bit to your point. It's, I just want to see execution. You know what I mean? It doesn't have to be huge plays. It doesn't even have to be touchdown drives. I just want to see smooth football. You know, after watching – Saturday's game, it was just so rough. There were so many penalties. It's been rough, right? So many it's been rough. Right, yeah. And, and we've been- I, I think even last year, if you look, if you remember looking at the games, it's just everything's just so choppy. It, it's just kind of um, bumpy. Can can we just have a nice, smooth possession? We just drive down the field, boom, 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 score a touchdown, get our starting offense out of there. Right. You know, can, can we just go out there? Can we get a stop? Boom, 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 you get a stop. And – all right, get our starting defense out of there, and then now just get the reserve some, some you know, a bunch of playing time. But at least you feel like comfortable with what you're seeing, and it's like, okay, that looked good, you know, that looked good, and, and you're going against Von Miller, Bradley Chubb, you know. I think it's a good team to kind of get in a groove on because they, you know, they don't really have like the best secondary or anything like that. So, you know, I, I think that's the team right there. You can take advantage of this opportunity to kind of look sharp. Look sharp, and I think that's something that we haven't yeah, seen I think, so far. Yeah, I think that's a good way of saying it. Just look sharp. Just look if, – if you're going to put all the starters out there, then look like you're a bunch of starters. You know, the last thing I want to see is the 49ers play the majority of that 28-person list and the product not be that much better. You know what I mean? The 49ers right. have a ton of talent on both sides of the ball now. You know what I mean? It's – the they might not have the the top tier wideout or that you know that lead running back, but they have a lot of quality players on both sides of the ball, and they're still going to be missing some guys. Uh, I don't, you know, I, I know D Ford's not going to play, and Nick Bosa's not going to play. Which you know, those are your your starting rush defensive ends and stuff like that. But you're still going to have uh, Buckner, and you're still going to have Solomon Thomas, and you're probably still going to have Eric Armstead unless he's still dealing with that calf thing. So that's to your point. Just. Look sharp. Look like your your freaking starters. You know what I mean? I don't. There's nothing that the Broncos are going to bring that should seriously shut down what the 49ers want to do. 
right on either side of the ball. Right. Like I'm not scared of their weapons on offense. Um, Von Miller and Bradley Chubb, that you know, obviously they can be disruptive. But outside of that, you know, I think it's a team where you know you would like to see the 49ers have early success in those first couple drives well, on both sides. There might even be a fight between De- or Denver wide receivers. Cortland Sutton and Emmanuel Sanders were out there fighting <laughs> each other. That was very interesting. That I was, dude. I, can't, I mean, but it happens, dude, especially when you're competing with, with guys in your own position. But typically it's like when you're competing against like Guys on the other right, side of the right. ball. That's that's usually not within the same position, but I who knows. And, and then to like it come to like blows, like from what I read, it was like it was like real haymakers, and that's something I have not seen before. I've I've not I've have I seen that? And then I've seen people see get the, into the arguments the on the sideline afterwards. Like, Do your job, or you had this, or you had that, but to like blows right. and you got to play the same position. That that's very rare. I think that's something. Um, I spoke about it on my uh, on the press coverage podcast, but I think that that's something that has probably been going on for a while, and it just boiled over. Right? To, did you yeah. see the uh, the interview they gave together afterwards? <laughs> no, it, I did it not was see not, that. dude. You got to watch it. It was not genuine. Like obviously, these dudes had just fought. Now, even you know, I've fought with my brother before, stuff like that. My I have a, just a younger brother is just a little younger than me, but. These guys had just had just fought each other, and then they were stepping in front of the camera, saying, "You know, we're family. Family fights sometimes. You know, it's we're we're moving on. We're just we just want to be the best." It was, dude. It was. It looked like somebody had just written this thing out in the script. They had a teleprompter behind the cameras, and they were just reading this thing off. It was not genuine, yeah. but you got to check it out. So, anyways, we're near. We're we're past our time limit again, but that's fine. We're not very far past it. But yeah, <laughs> anything you want to wrap up with, Croc? Are you good to go? Uh, shout out to Wisnowski. Yeah, we we haven't mentioned Wisnowski. He was pretty good, dude. He was he was good, and he and he put it put together a little some of those punts that you want to see from a fourth round freaking punter. That that's what changes the game, man. I mean, you know, I think I'm I'm watching the end of the game right now. It looks like he's about to what pin the pin the Cowboys on the seven yard yeah, line. Yeah, he pinned him on the seven. He pinned him on. The seven. And you know that's when you're doing things like that. That's gonna help your starting defense. So I you know we're wrapping it up, but. That's, those are those are things that that's what you want to see. Okay, we draft him in the fourth round. That's high. We get it. But in situations like that, that's exactly why you draft somebody like him, um, high to do things like that. Pin the Cowboys and make them have to drive ninety-seven yards with no timeouts. You know, right. that's 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 how you change the game. That's how you change the game. So. Um, yeah, I just had to kind of throw that out okay. there. Okay, we here at the Striking Gold Podcast are ending with a shout out to the 49ers fourth round punter, Mr. Wishnowski. So I think that's as worthy of a shout out to close out as we could ask for. Um, I think the next time Croc and I will be on here might be next week after the next game. I'm not sure. We might be called upon to to, to come in a little bit later this week because Kevin Jones is off at some podcast worldwide conference super high up thing so um we appreciate as always we appreciate you guys listening uh we love doing this Uh, i'm still excited about it you know me croc and kevin all coming together to make this um if you have any questions tweet me uh at rob underscore louder or tweet crocker uh eric underscore crocker and this is striking gold and we are signing off Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.